0: Well, hey, how's everybody doing today? Man, I'll tell you what, I love this service. I, I, the other two services are awesome, but this, this is my service where we just kind of just sit back, relax, and enjoy ourselves as we study and we worship and we just have a good time together. Look at your neighbor and just smile at him today. Say, man, this is awesome. I, does anybody know what today is? St. Patrick's Day. If you notice that I am wearing some green so do not pinch me. If you see somebody else with, uh, without green, pinch them in the love of Jesus. Uh, my wife is not wearing green. I actually pinched her and she slapped me. And uh, so if you pinch her, I cannot guarantee that she may not smack you too. Okay, So but man, it's a great day. And I love it because it's beautiful outside. But it's a great day as we come together and just honor the Lord and spend time in his word. Now, here's what we're doing. We are actually in our series called About the Heart. We started this. Uh, last week. And what we did as we jumped off in this series, we saw rather quickly that everything stems from the heart. No matter what it is, uh, that everything we deal with in life, it all starts within our heart. And Jesus actually said this, the things that come out of our mouth, our attitude, our mindset, the wording, everything, it starts within our heart. Now, here's the thing, you might say, well, Pastor Jay, how do you know that everything stems from our heart, our attitude, our mindset, everything?" What we saw last week with our foundational scripture, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it shows us, above all else, guard your heart for everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. For everything you do flows from it. Now, here's the thing. It is easy for us as we walk through life to get to the point where our heart can maybe get a little hard. Our heart can get to the place where maybe there's some things in there that we need to deal with. And that is exactly What this series is all about. Last week, I asked the question over and over and over. How's your heart? And today, as we continue with this message, with this series, let's allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our heart and deal with some things within our life that maybe needs to be dealt with. Now, today, here's the direction that we're going to go. Last week, we talked about uh, how's our heart? What are some things that are going on there? Because if we're not careful, some things can begin to camp out within our heart and even take up residency within there. Things like anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. And one of the big things that can even take up uh, residency within our heart or maybe even a love for the things of this world. And last week, uh, if you were here, one of the things we did, we passed out this book. Uh, It's a new book by Robert Morris called Beyond Blessed. And what I love about this book, what we did was we gave out last Sunday about 450 copies of this book we ran out. And so, if you did not get a copy, you, you can go online, Amazon, and, and, and Google this and pick this book up. And I guarantee you, if this book is uh, half as good for you as it is for me and Stacey, it's just gonna be a blessing to your life. Uh, this is one of those books that I would put it in my top 10 list. And the reason why is because it teaches some really awesome stewardship principles. You might say, well, is this book all about giving? No, that's not what this book is about. This book is about uh, applying God's principles to our lives and beginning to, to steward or manage the resources that he puts within our hands in an even greater way so we're not, we're not dealing with, with stress in our lives. How many of you in here, uh, you've had stress in your life before regarding your finances? Raise your hand. We probably all have. And this book actually brings us to a place to help us deal with that stress so that we can be better good, good stewards of god's resources now today what we're going to do we're going to start off talking about dealing with the areas of our life regarding finances and then next week we're going to go in and teach a very simple very practical message about stewardship and here's where we're going to start this message off today how many of you in this room you want to be blessed raise your hand okay now everybody wants to be blessed but the reality is that there are principles all throughout God's Word, very specific principles, so that we can have those blessings within our life. Here's the first thought. Because most people, whenever you start speaking about blessing, their mind immediately goes towards what? I heard somebody say it. What do you think your mind goes towards whenever you think of being blessed? Money. Everybody always thinks about money. and That that can be a part of it. But it's just a small part of it because being blessed or living a blessed life applies to so many other areas throughout our life. Here's a, here's a thought. How many of you in this room want people to treat you right? Anybody? Okay. You, you know, if your mindset is, well, no, I, I'd rather people just not treat me right. Well, then something, you know, you need prayer after the service or something. But I'm talking about how many of you, you know, you want at work for your boss to treat you right or or in your neighborhood, your neighbor, instead of, you know, driving by your house and throwing bags of trash in your yard, you want to have a good neighbor that you're friends with and things of that nature. Well, biblical principles show us that if we want people to treat us right, the Bible says, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. In other words, that's a biblical principle that we see that if we will apply that to our life, then we would be blessed and people will treat us right. In other words, we'll have good and healthy and strong relationships. Now, here's another one. Uh, how many of you would consider it to be a blessing that your children are well-behaved? In other words, you can go to, to, you know, to Oak Point and get groceries without them you know running around and kicking people and turning stuff over. Uh, that means that they're well-behaved. Well, there are principles that teach us how our kids can be well behaved the bible shows us numerous times all throughout scripture that it's a wonderful thing for us as parents to properly and lovingly discipline our children and when we discipline them in the right way with the attitude the mindset of christ not in anger and all that kind of stuff but with the love of christ then our children will be well behaved they will be a a blessing and that is a blessing to our life biblical principles that are applied in the proper way bring blessings into our lives now Here's another one. Do not raise your hand on this. How many of you uh, want to have a blessed and a great marriage? Okay, don't raise your hand because if you, you don't raise it, you're going to get in trouble, okay? So I, I'm saving you some, some heartache there. But here's the thing. Biblical principles. You go into Ephesians chapter 5, and it shows us that if you want a blessed marriage, then honor each other. Uh, have respect and love for one another. Walk in that and serve each other like Christ served us by giving everything at the cross. So Biblical principles show us that if you want the blessings of a great and healthy marriage, you apply these principles, you will experience that blessing within your marriage. So we see all throughout the Bible that we can have blessings all throughout our life, but there are specific principles that bring those blessings into our lives. Now, when it comes to our finances, that applies as well god has very specific principles regarding blessings over our finances and here are the principles you see it throughout i'm not going to go into scripture and start quoting all this stuff but what you see in scripture that is that when we choose within our heart to honor god in the area of our finances we return the first fruit or what is known as the tithe to him then what happens is we are blessed and we learn to live within our means now Return to tithe to God, live within your means. Sounds pretty simple, right? But here's the thing. While in principle that sounds easy enough, whenever you go into statistics, you begin to see that a lot of people within the body of Christ are not applying this principle to their life. Now, across the board, whenever I share this statistic with you, this is not just speaking of Journey Church or the state of Louisiana. This is all across North Louisiana Whenever you take the church as a whole, every denomination, and you look at statistics, you see that within the church, only 10 to 25% of church attenders actually follow this principle and honor God with the first fruit or the tithe. Now, you hear that, you say, well, wow, that's kind of alarming. But listen to this. Since 1990, religious giving is down 50%. In other words, people are are not giving like they used to. They're not following the biblical principles and applying it to their life. Now, that's kind of disturbing, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Because uh, you guys, uh, honestly, here at Journey Church, you are a very generous church. And I, to be honest with you, never experienced anything like this in the 25 plus years of ministry. Here's how generous you are is that in in 2017 from 2017 to 2018 there were only a couple of thousand dollars from recovering from the flood to 2018 that separated 2017 budget from 2018 budget and with that in mind in the year of 2018 in tithes and offerings let me show you what the the average is with a church our size we average on the weekend about 12 to 1300 people in weekend attendance kids adults everybody and statistically our giving as a church should be about 1.2 to 1.3 million dollars a year in annual budget you guys in 2018 and remember you were only off a couple thousand dollars from 17 to 18 in 2018 you guys gave 1.735 million dollars into the body of christ Look at your neighbor and say, that's unbelievable. That's a lot of money. Here's what that shows me: is that it shows me you are a very generous congregation. Now, here's the thing, because you hear like Blake up here talking earlier about how your giving is making a difference all around the world. And I wanted to help explain to you how your giving is making a difference. Not just in this community, but all around the world. You see, there are some things that you know about, but there probably are some things that you weren't aware of. One of those things that you are aware of is that you guys, through your generosity, you built a care point in Belize last year that is helping children and feeding children and leading children and families to Christ, and that's because of your generosity. What you may not be aware of is that through your giving, your tithe, and your offering— We also helped to support three different missions projects in the nation of Africa. In Uganda, uh, through the children's journey, we helped uh, a school there and a ministry there. Through Pioneer 61 in Tanzania, uh, we helped with a project that's going on there. And also with Children's Cup in Swaziland and Mozambique, through your giving, we helped uh, with missions projects there with kiddos and families as well. Through ministries like Bernie Moore Ministries, through your giving, you helped to support crusades where hundreds of thousands of people heard the gospel. And tens of thousands of people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in the nation of Pakistan and India and also in Africa. That was because of your generosity. There's also a missionary that I think is kind of, it's a pretty cool mission uh, project that we supported in 2018 in the nation of Cambodia. You guys gave towards that. And what this guy does, he goes into a village and he'll drill a water well. He's got the equipment, he drills a well, he puts a, a toilet in the community for them as well. And from that, they begin to develop relationships with people, they form a Bible study, and churches have been planted as a result of that ministry. And that is all because of your generosity. You say, "Well, okay, Pastor, that's cool. That's around the world, but what about here in America? What about here in our neighborhood?" Well, in America, you through the association-related churches, you hear us talk about the Ark. You helped to plant life-giving churches across America uh, in 2018. But here in this community, one of the I love this. Uh, we ha- we hosted a spring and a fall serve like crazy. Not. I know what you guys think i love serve like crazy y'all it's just a lot of fun to get out in the community and show people the love of jesus and to see that look on their face and even hear them say it like you know why are you guys doing this and it's just like because we love jesus and we wanted to be able to share that love with you that is a direct result of you guys and your generosity so let's give the lord a good hand clap today man he is so good to us so my point is in saying all that is you guys are not the norm look at your neighbor and say you're abnormal <laughs> in a good way you know <laughs> y'all are so generous and I it's just an honor to be able to, to serve the Lord alongside of you and, and here's what I think I honestly think that, that most people want to be generous. But sadly, what has happened so many times, many people have bought into what the world tells us and teaches us. And as a result, we've gotten ourselves so far in debt that this is one of these things that we, we struggle to, to be generous in that area. Because a lot of people say, I, I can't afford to be generous because of, of the debt that we have within our lives. I, I got a taste of this whenever I was about 12, 13 years of age uh, I lived, I grew up in Dry Prong and and we would go to the Alexandria Mall. It's probably about a 20, 20 25 twenty, twenty-five-minute drive to get into Alexandria from where I lived. And uh, I, I would save up my money to go shop and things like that. And whenever I was about twelve or thirteen years old in the Alexandria Mall, they had this, and I know y'all had it here too. Y'all remember arcades? They don't really have arcades anymore. But uh, man, I love me some Miss Pac-Man, uh, Galaga. I got any Galaga people here? You may you love Galaga? Mm-hmm champions, you know, got that run that score up. Uh, my game back in the day was Karate Champ, and that was the game off over in the corner. A lot of people didn't really want to play it, but I, I loved it, you know, like Mr. Miyagi, bring it on, you know. Wax on, wax off, all that kind of stuff, and I loved that game, and one day my parents took me and my friend Avery to the mall, and I had about 10 bucks that I'd saved up, and in those days, $10, dollars that lasted you a long time. Today, $10 is about 2.3 seconds, but I went in the arcade, and Avery was there. He's running around playing games, and I went straight to karate Champ. Get all my quarters, put them in my pocket, and I'm sitting there, and I'm feeding that machine those quarters and, and all the moves and stuff, trying to beat the game, you know? And eventually, as I get close to the end, you know, Avery, he comes over, and he's watching me play it, and, and, I, and I run out of quarters. And you know how to give you, like, the countdown, like if you want to continue the game, you got 30 seconds before it, it's gone, and I'm like, man avery you, you got another quarter he's like well you know i'll loan you some money and i had not really seen this side of, of avery he said look here's what i'll do if you need some money i'll loan you five bucks but if i give you five dollars this is what you're gonna do you're gonna pay me back ten dollars <laughs> and, and i'm like dude i didn't know was like a 12 year old loan shark you know he even said it with like an italian accent and everything you know but he's like that, that's it. look you want the money or not and it's counting down i'm like dude come on give me some money he said, all right, are you agreeing? I'm like, yeah, get, i got to have the money. Give it here. So he gives me a quarter, and he gives me $5, and I feed that machine those quarters, and eventually the money's all gone. And guess what? I, I, didn't beat the, I didn't beat the game, okay? But we finish up, and I remember we walked down to, to Corn Dock 7. Y'all remember Corn Dock 7? That's good stuff right there, y'all. Get down there in the food court. we sit sitting there, and I'm, I'm drinking like a small Coke because that, that's all I got. And, He's eating a corn dog and some lemonade. and This is what he says. He's like, hey, now let's talk about this. When are you going to pay me back the money you owe me? I'm like, bro, I just borrowed it from you like, you know, an hour ago. He's like, well, look, we need to set up a payment plan, whatever. Remember, you 100% interest, you know. And I'm like, wow, this dude. And uh, I remember like, man, this is going to take me forever to pay this money back because he's always going to be bugging me. And what I did, I, I went to my dad and I said, dad, can I borrow 10 bucks from you? And I explained to him what happened. He loaned me $10, had to pay him back. But I remember giving Avery that money and be like, dude, uh, you know, back away, you know. But how many times do we go through life and we get ourselves in a buying financially? I have to have that right now. I mean, we've got the now mentality. We don't really think things through. We're not really led by the Holy Spirit. We just make a quick spur-of-the-moment decision. And as a result, that debt or whatever it is that we might have taken on, It hangs around our neck like a weight. And that is exactly what the world has fed us. To say, hey look, these things, all of this stuff, success, whatever it might be, that is what makes you happy. That is what will bring security to you in life. And as a result, so many people have gotten themselves over their head in debt. And they're living with anxiety. They're living with stress. They're living with fear within their life. And here's what I've come to the conclusion of. I believe at the average family in America because I shared with you guys statistics you know back in January we actually took a Sunday and talked about finances I shared all kinds of statistics with you about the amount of debt within the average American household this is what I believe I believe that the average person is only one crisis everybody hold up one finger just like this I believe everybody's only one crisis away from everything coming crashing down losing a job a health scare something like that And they're living paycheck to paycheck, stressed out, anxious, worried, and one crisis away from everything come crashing down. Then here's what happens within churches or ministries. Along comes a pastor and says, give 10% of your income or even more to this ministry, this church, or whatever. And a lot of emotions come up inside of people. There's anger, like why would the church ask for money? Or there's fear, people start thinking about the amount of debt that they have or where they're at in life, and maybe they get fearful. Or or there's even guilt. Yeah, I want to give, I want to be generous, but I I can't because of this, that, and the other. And here's what I want to tell you as a pastor, as a minister, as your pastor, I get it. I understand those emotions, I understand what people might be walking through and so here's what i want to do in this message today and next sunday how about instead of talking about giving we just begin to look into god's word and understanding principles that god has for us regarding our finances learning to live within our means learning to make sure that our heart is in the right place where we're not trusting in the things of this world but we're being led by the holy spirit that's what i want today and next sunday to be all about that we simply Look at what God tells us in the Word of God so that we can experience life the way that Jesus really intended for us to experience life. Not anxious and worried all the time, but walking in His peace, walking in His joy. Even regarding our finances, we are blessed. Everybody say blessed. So here's what I want you to do. Take out your Bible, go to the book of Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at a story here in just a moment. Because so many times we bought into what our culture tells us. And our culture says, hey, you need more success, you need more stuff, you need more, more money, you need more toys and all these types of things. More, more, more. That's what's going to make you happy. That is the path to happiness is more. And it's funny because I was just reading an article in, in Forbes magazine this past week. The article said this, that actually the, the pursuit of more success oftentimes leads to more depression within people's lives, that rich people uh, in this country, that their children have a higher rate of depression than kids of middle-class families or even poverty-stricken families. that oftentimes the wealthier nations have higher rates of depression and even suicide within them. And the reason why is because what we have bought into with our culture and our society oftentimes has us anxious and stressed out and constantly striving for more, more, more. And so today what we do is we, we're we going to look at this story in Scripture because I want to tell you there's nothing wrong with success. I don't know about you, but I do want to be successful in life. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with toys or or possessions or things like that here's where the trouble starts so many times when we begin to pursue those things and we think that those things or that success is going to bring true happiness to us and as we pursue them those things become idols within our life in other words we begin to put those things before God and that's whenever the trouble begins within our lives so today this story Mark chapter 10 I love this story. We know, uh, most people know this story. They know the individual. But here's the crazy part about this story. We've heard it before, but we do not know the guy's name. We just know him as the rich young ruler. And if you've heard this story before, you know kind of how it plays out. But I want to look at it today and see because this guy, his story is he seemed to be living a life where where he had it all. I mean, one of the things I like about this story is that it, it, it appeals to, to so many people. But let's pick it up. Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 13 because I want to give you some context here. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, and the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He got a little aggravated about that. And he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Now, let's stop right there. Let me tell you kind of what happened here. Parents are coming up. Hey, Jesus, hey, uh, my my kid's here. You know, will you pray over my kid or uh, will you bless my child? And Jesus, he's, you know, he's happy. And the disciples, the grumpy disciples are like, hey, get them kids out of here. Jesus, he got a little aggravated. He said, hey, you bring those kids over here so I can, I can pray over them. I want to be able to bless these children. Then he goes on and begins to tell them that anyone who cannot receive uh, like the kingdom of God like these little kids, you know, they're going to have issues within their life. And Here's the thought that I had this past week. This story of wh- these children sets us up for what is about to happen. What he's basically telling us is that so many times we try to figure things out and handle things on our own and we, you know, take things and make it so complicated. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, if you will just understand my principles and understand what the word of God tells you and just receive them into your life like a little child, man, life is going to be so much easier for you. Look what happens as this uh, story begins to unfold. It says in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Look what Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud and honor your father and mother. Now notice that Jesus did not start with the first commandment. He started about midway through. The guy says, teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. I want you to see this. Jesus looked at him and what? What does it say right there? And what? Loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away, what's the word? Sad. Why? Because he had great wealth. Had a lot of possessions. Had a lot of toys. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, that whole camel through the eye of a needle, I'll explain that to you a little bit further in the message, but it's not quite what you think it is. But, you know, there's some things I find very interesting about this story. First of all, this this guy who comes to Jesus, he's a good guy. And Jesus, we see in Scripture that Jesus, he loved the God. He was a good guy. But there's a couple things that I find pretty interesting about it. First of all, the guy was young. And the crazy part is a lot of times people, they don't have tremendous wealth whenever they are very young. He was young. And the second thing is he was wealthy. He had a lot of resources. Most people, uh, they gain their wealth whenever they're much older in life. They're a lot more mature. And here's the thing, a lot of times whenever you're, you know, you're older and you gain that wealth, I mean, you're like 90 years old and now you can afford a Ferrari, you know? It's like, what's the point? But this guy, he's young and he's wealthy. And when Jesus looked at this guy, he did not see what he was driving. He did not see what he was wearing. When Jesus looked at this guy, he saw the issues that were going on within his life. You might say, well, what are those issues? And that's exactly what we're going to talk about today as we truly allow the Holy Spirit to to examine our heart to see where we are regarding the resources and the finances that God has placed within our life this guy, this rich young ruler, we don't know his name and the saddest part of all is because he was not able to be obedient to what Jesus told him we'll never know his name he actually, this is the, the only place that we see him in the history of the Bible and the sad part is because he did not do what Jesus said, he went away. He didn't follow Jesus after this. Now, here's the thing. The issues that he was dealing with, three things I'm going to walk you through. And as we go through this, simply ask the Holy Spirit to, to look into your heart and see maybe there's some issues that you're struggling with as well within your heart. Because all of us, just like we said last week, how's your heart? What's going on inside of your heart? Because everything within our life, it all stems from our heart. Here's the first thing. This rich young guy who was a good guy, but he had some issues going on. The first thing Jesus saw in his life is that his wealth had his heart. Now, apparently this young guy had enough wealth to do whatever he wanted. He could go skydiving. He could go buy the finest cars and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus saw that. And the problem he had is that when he came to Jesus, he saw that Jesus had something that he did not. He recognized and realized, Jesus, I want which you have. The solution that Jesus gave him was, hey, if you want what I have, then go sell off all your stuff, get rid of it, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. Jesus gave him the solution to the issue within his life. And if you remember in the story, the young man walked away what? Sad. He walked away sad because he couldn't do it because his wealth owned him. His heart, the issue was... His wealth had a hold of his heart, had a hold of his life, and he could not be obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, hey, look, here's an issue. I see that you've got all this wealth, all these possessions, this success, all these toys, all these things, but apparently that's an issue within your life. Apparently that's more important to you than even God is. So the best way that we're going to deal with this, go sell all your stuff, get rid of it, give it to the poor, come follow me, and the guy says, oh, whoa, Jesus, I, I was just kidding, you know. I can't do that. I, I, I cannot be obedient in that area. And the reason why, there was an issue within his heart. His wealth had his heart. Here's the next thing we see, uh, that Jesus is looking in his issues. His wealth had his heart, but the next thing was mammon was his master. Now, I'm using the word mammon, and we haven't referenced this in, in Scripture, but a lot of people understand that Jesus said one day whenever he was teaching that you can't serve both God and mammon. What does that even mean? Well, Jesus saw in this young man's life and knew that he had a master, and it wasn't Jesus, it wasn't God, that it was mammon. And you might say, well, what is mammon, Pastor Jay? Well, if you go back in Scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, at the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus is teaching one day, and this famous sermon, and he says this, No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one and despise and be against the other. You cannot serve God and mammon." Now, what is mammon? Look, at, look up here. This translation of the, the Bible that we have on the screen right now, this is the amplified version. and What this particular version does is it will take a word or verse and it will break it down and it gives us the definition of what mammon is. It says it could be money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. So these are all things that could be issues within our lives. And I want you to understand what mammon really is because a lot of people hear that in Scripture. You can't serve God and mammon. What is that? Well, in ancient times, people would actually sacrifice to a false idol that was named mammon. In ancient times, it, it kind of played out like this. Well, I, I planted my crops and I want, I want my crops to grow and be healthy and I want to make, you know, a good profit off, off my crops. So I'm going go to go this, to this temple, to this idol named Mammon that I'm going to sacrifice to this idol. And guess what? As a result, they would serve Mammon, this false idol, this false God. And Jesus, this day, as he's teaching... He says you cannot serve God and mammon. And he knew whenever he was speaking to this young man that this guy was idolizing something of this world, a possession. He was idolizing his resources, his finances, all of those things that it had a hold on his heart. And Here's the thing. When you go into scripture and you see that Jesus actually says that mammon, he calls riches deceitful. You might say, well, why would he call riches deceitful? And here's the reason why. Because wealth, money, it lies to us. It tells us, hey, listen, I'm the only thing that can make you happy. Wealth will tell you, I'm the only thing that can bring security to your life. And guess what? The only thing in this world that can bring true security and true happiness to your life is Jesus Christ. As a community, we we witness this. Almost three years ago. And so many times the things that we place stock in, the things that we think will bring happiness and security to our life can be bumped gone just like that. You plan and you you work and hey, look, we're gonna do this outdoor kitchen and we're gonna do this with our house, put these new floors down and all this kind of stuff. And in the blink, in the moment of an eye, one day, a flood came through and wiped out so many people's hopes and dreams and happiness and all that the only thing that is sure and certain in this world is Jesus Christ and so many times we we see this w- within our lives that we think that the things of this world will bring security to us and the reality is that's simply not true and in this story Jesus is talking to this young man and he saw that the wealth that he had had a hold of his heart that mammon was his master And here's the last thing that we see in this story is that while this guy was materially rich he was spiritually poor. He was spiritually bankrupt, actually. And You need to understand, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're a homeless person or you build gates. Every single one of us come to God the same way. We come to God with, with a humble, trusting, and repentant heart. We come to God with a heart that is open to receive Jesus as the Lord, the Savior, the master of our lives here's that whole part of scripture that you see here about a camel going through the eye of a needle what does that even mean well in biblical times every city had walls around it and they had gates to the city in the evening time they would close those gates to keep out bandits or marauders or whatever and so they would close those gates and you you couldn't get in and out of the city after the gates were closed and theologians historians they've argued about this but a lot of people believe that there was a small gate uh, within the wall that was known as the eye of the needle. and The only way you could get through that gate, you had to kind of stoop down when you went through it. But if you were somebody who had a camel, you would take that camel and you had to kind of guide him and lead him through. And the camel had to get down and kind of work his way through there. It was very, very difficult for that camel to get through the eye of the needle or that gate. What it teaches us is this, the only way that we can come to Christ is on bended knee with a humble and repentant heart. You can't come to, to God, you cannot come to Christ putting all these things in priority in your life over him. He wants to be first and we have to come to him with a heart that is open to receive everything that he has for us, whether we're wealthy Whether we're poor, we all come to God in the same exact way. And that is exactly what Jesus is trying to teach this young man on this day. You have to come to God with a heart that's trusting him, not trusting your wealth and the things that you have. And we see that in this story because think of this. How many commands did Jesus give the guy? Think think of it like this. How how many commandments are in the Ten Commandments? Wasn't a true question, okay? (laughs) There's Ten Commandments right but Jesus did not start at the beginning of the Ten Commandments he started about halfway through he didn't bring up the command about having no other gods before God or no graven images he didn't talk about the Lord's name in vain he didn't talk about honoring the Sabbath because these were the things that the guy was dealing with what he quoted to him were things that the guy could say hey I've done that my whole life I've checked those off the list Then Jesus talked to him about the things that were really going on within his heart and within his life. The things that he couldn't do. He challenged him to lay down the things that were coming in between him and God and really trust God with his life. Here's the question. How's your heart? Are there things such as success, possession, money, whatever it might be that you have allowed to become first within your life? That maybe, quite honestly, We need to repent. We need to ask God for his forgiveness because we begin to trust in those things and look to those things even more than we look to God and trust him. I think back whenever the boys were were little. And Tyler, when he he was probably about seven years old when we moved here. And Tyler had this stuffed bear. It was a a blue bear and, and he called the bear Blue Boy. And Blue Boy went with us everywhere we went. He slept with Tyler at nighttime. Whenever we were in the vehicle, he was with Tyler. He went with us all over the place. And one day we were at the church. We were at our old location over on North Sherwood. And the boys are in the auditorium and they're throwing around Blue They're throwing, oh, look, Blue Boy's flying, you know. And uh, they had on the, the side wall, on each side of the auditorium, the wall went up about, I don't know, eight or nine feet. And there was an air duct there, and what you couldn't tell unless you got on the ladder and looked over the top of it, it was a false wall, and and it was an opening there, and stuff could fall back behind it. The boys are throwing Blue Bear around, he's flying, all that kind of stuff. And actually, Tyler, he reminded his mom in the first service, he's like, it was Reese who did it. I think he still has some bitterness there about that. But uh, Blue Boy went flying, and guess what? He went over the top into that opening and fell down back behind the wall. Toddler's was like, Dad, you, you got to get Blue Boy out of there. We got to get him out. We got to like bust the wall out or get, you know, like a long stick or whatever. And I'm like, Son, it's not going to happen. You know, tough love dad right here. You know, we're not busting a hole in the wall. There's no stick that we can get down there with. It's just not going to happen. And guess what? He, he was pretty upset about that. In fact, I mean, that was, that was only what, about a couple, two, three years ago that that happened. No, I'm just kidding. That's okay. <laughs> Like I said, he was probably around seven, eight years old, something like that. And I told him, I said, Son, it, it's done. It's over. You can't get Blue Boy. He's gone. And I remember that night, he was pretty upset and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing even at a young age, Tyler learned that the things that so many times we put our, our love into, our trust into, so many times, just like that, they can be gone. What are the things within our life that maybe we have looked to or trusted in or maybe even love more than we love God? Here's what the question all comes down to. How's our heart? What does our heart look like, especially regarding our finances? Especially regarding the things that God has put within our grasp for us to, to steward, to manage as we walk throughout life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes for a moment. And today, the word we talk about in this message is the word repentance. You see, the only one that we can trust to really bring security to our life, the only one that we can really trust to bring peace to our life is God. The world has sold us a bill of goods. It's got us running through this rat race, on this roller coaster, just pursuing the things of this world, thinking that that's what's going to make us happy and the reality is that's not true at all. The pursuit of those things oftentimes brings stress and anxiety and fear and guilt. brings a lot of problems along with it. And so today are, are there things in your life that you need to repent of and ask for God's forgiveness. Maybe in the pursuit of success you've sacrificed your marriage. Maybe in the pursuit of hobbies, you've sacrificed your family. Maybe in the pursuit of toys and things, you've gotten yourself in over your head with debt. And it's like a crushing weight around your neck. Maybe today the first steps for all of us here are to repent, to ask God for His forgiveness. Whatever it might be, might look different for all of us. But to really repent and to let God once again be first within our lives. Father, you are a good God. We worship you. We honor you today. And we thank you for the truth of your word applied to our lives. That, Lord, you you really want us to be blessed. You really want us to see blessings flowing in all areas of our life. But we have to be obedient. We have to be willing to apply the principles of your word to walk in those blessings. And today Lord I pray that whatever's going on in our life wherever we are that Holy Spirit that you would work within each of us individually within our lives within our families to bring us to the place of repentance so that we can deal with those things in Jesus. We will find our our peace and our security. And you and you alone. Now for some of you in this room, the first step for you, we talk about letting God be first. We talk about repentance. For some of you, maybe that means surrendering your life to Christ for the first time. And letting Jesus truly become the Lord and master of your life. By receiving what he did for you at the cross. Maybe some of you in here, it simply means renewing your commitment to Christ. Maybe you had a relationship with the Lord, and today, as you're sitting here, you realize you need to renew your commitment to Christ and renew that relationship with him. And so today, if you find yourself at that place, you can pray right where you are, and you can talk to the Lord. And pray something like this, like, Jesus, thank you so much for going to the cross for me, for loving me the way that you do. Jesus, today I receive into my life what you did for me at the cross. You paid the price for my sin and my guilt, and today by faith I receive that. Jesus, today I repent for the sin in my life, and I ask for your forgiveness. Through your precious blood today, Jesus, make me new. I choose to surrender my life to you, and Jesus, I embrace you as the Lord, the Savior, the Master of my life and I thank you so much for today letting me step into your family now with every eye still closed in this room today if you would say Pastor Jay I just prayed that prayer to give my heart to Jesus whether it was the first time you did that or maybe made a recommitment of your faith but if you would say today I just prayed that prayer in my heart wherever you are in this room right now every eye closed I'm not going to embarrass you But if you say, I I prayed that prayer from my heart. then slip your hand in the air, let me see it. Is there anybody here like that? I see right here, here, here. Praise God, right here. God's good. Here's what I want you to do for those of you who raised your hand. We're going to dismiss this service here in just a few moments. I want you to take a few moments of your time before you leave. I want you to come and let one of our prayer team pray with you and encourage you and answer questions for you. And talk with you about your next steps in your walk with Christ. Everybody open your eyes. Everybody look at me. Everybody smile. Here's what I want you to do. Remember this. As we leave out of here today. That we understand dealing with the heart is a serious thing. But we also know that we have a very real spiritual enemy that's going to do everything that he can. To come against our heart and to get us to where we're looking at things around us in this world instead of looking at Christ. Let's stay focused on on our Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. And church family, listen to me closely. You hear me talk about prayer. I'm going to invite our prayer team. They're going to make their way here to the front in the next few moments. And if you need prayer for anything at all, don't walk out of here with things weighing heavy in your heart. Come and let our prayer team pray with you and encourage you. I also want to take a moment to remind all the ladies, Journey Girls, this Tuesday night, they had their Bible study over the last two weeks. This Tuesday night is going to be awesome. 6.30, make plans to be here, bring a friend with you. And on your way out today, pick up a, a bag of those Easter eggs for the great egg hunt home edition. And uh, let's be a blessing to our community. Amen? As we leave out here today, don't ever forget this, we don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. I'll see you back here this next week.